الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه والتابعين لهم باحسان الى يوم الدين اما بعد ان شاء الله تعالى today we're going to be starting the explanation of the kitab صفه صفه صلاه النبي صفه صلاه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم written by الشيخ محمد ابن صالح ابن عثيمين رحمه الله um, the author رحمه الله of this kitab uh, his name is العلامه uh, uh, محمد uh, ابن محمد uh, so محمد ابن صالح ابن محمد التميمي his kunya is abu abdullah <coughs> he's known as ibn uthaymin okay and ibn uthaymin is a nisba ila ahadi ajdadihi it's attributing him to one of his granddads okay um, brothers and sisters there's a few mistakes when it comes to a lot of people the way that they say the sheikh's name a lot of people they call him and they refer to him as al uthaymin you see people say that and another group of people they say al fawzan and that's incorrect grammatically it goes against uh, that we could say that is khilafu Sunan al-Arabiyah, it goes against the Arabic rulings. In the Arabic ruling, when you want to attribute someone, uh, a name to someone, you either say, or in this situation, you should say, Al-Uthaymeeniyu, by putting uh, that Ya'un-Nisbah at the ending. Al-Uthaymeeniyu, that's how it should be. Or you should say, and attribute him to his granddad, by saying, Ibn Uthaymeen. But saying Al-Uthaymeen with the Alif Al-Lam, it's grammatically wrong. As-Sahib Al-Alfiyah, Sahib Al-Khulasa says, Ya'an kaya'a al-kursiyu zaadu lil-nasab wa kullu ma yalihi kasrun wajabt. Ibn Malik says in his Al-Fiyah. So you have to either say Al-Uthaymeeniyu or Ibn Uthaymeen. As for Al-Uthaymeen, Al-Fawzan, Al-Ghudayan, all of those are wrong that people say. Shaykh Rahimahullah, he was born he was born on the 27th night, which again, inshallah ta'ala, all of these things are signs of the goodness of the Shaykh rahimahullah. Because he's from the people of Bani Tamim. And the Prophet sallallahu two qualities that he mentioned for the people of Bani Tamim is, the first one the Prophet sallallahu he mentioned, he said, Hum nasi ala dajjal. They are the strongest and the staunchest people when it comes to Dajjal. Okay, which uh, the Sheikh was. So uh, the people of Bani Tamim that Sheikh was from uh, is also the same same people that Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Hab was from. Okay, so he's a, and he's born in Ramadan, a blessed month, and he was also born in the twenty seventh night of Ramadan, which, according to a view, could be considered Laylatul Qadr. Okay, Rahimahullah, Rahimahullah, and he passed away on the 10th of Shawwal. The year was 1421. And he was born 1347. Rahimahullahu. So he died when he was what? 74 years of age. 74. Yeah, 74 years of age. That's how much he, Rahimahullah, lived for. So the kitab is called Sifat Salat al Nabi. It talks about how the Prophet prayed the Salah. And. Uh, the content of how to pray the Salah, brothers and sisters, is a very important thing in our religion. Malik ibn al-Huwayrit narrated from the Prophet وسلم, as it's found in Sahih al-Bukhari, that the Prophet said to the companion, Sallu kama usalli. Pray the way you see me pray. Okay? And so the Prophet وسلم, gave a lot of importance in making sure he teaches companions how to pray. So we have our little brother, Abdul Samad, Hafidhahullah wa who's going to read for us, inshallah ta'ala, the kitab. And we're gonna we're going to explain it inshallah ta'ala now. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Qala al-Shaykh Rahimahullah, inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina وَسَيِّئَاتِ أَعْمَالِنَا مَنْ يَهْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُضِلَّ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ 
وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فهذا شرح صفة صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أولا اعتقد أنك إذا قمت إلى الصلاة فإنما تقوم بين يدي الله عز وجل الذي يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور ويعلم ما توسوس به نفسك وحينئذ حافظ على أن يكون قلبك مشغولا بصلاتك كما أن جسمك مشغول بصلاتك جسمك متجه إلى القبلة إلى جهة التي أمرك الله عز وجل فليكن قلبك أيضا متجها إلى الله أما أن يتجه الجسم إلى ما أمر الله بالتوجه إليه ولكن القلب صائع فهذا نقص كبير حتى إن بعض العلماء يقول إذا غلب الوسواس أي الهواجس على أكثر الصلاة فإنها تبطل والأمر شديد فإذا أقبلت إلى الصلاة فاعتقد أنك مقبل على الله عز وجل وإذا وقفت تصلي فاعتقد أنك تناجي الله عز وجل كما قال ذلك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قام أحدكم يصلي فإنه يناجي ربه رواه البخاري الشيخ رحمه الله تعالى he started the kitab by mentioning that the, the qibla the face in the qibla if you can all write this down inshallah ta'ala will be of great benefit for you inshallah ta'ala the qibla in the salah are two types there are two qiblas in the prayer the first qibla it's Qibla known as Qibla which is your bedan, your body. And this is your body facing ila jihati ma amar Allahu biha. Ama ila ma amar Allahu bihi. That which Allah commanded you to make it face. Which is the Qibla of the Kaaba. That's one. And that's what you need to face the Salah. Your body has to face towards the direction of Mecca. The second one is Qibla tu qalbihi. The Qalb, your heart has to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those are the two qiblas that you need to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. And the two of them, which one is the greatest one? The greatest one is the qiblatul qalb. The heart facing Allah tabarak wa ta'ala is the greatest. ولذلك Abu Dawud narrated في سننه بسند الله بأس به With a chain there's no problem. من حديث عمار بن ياسر that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said إن الرجل لا ينصرف وَمَا كُتِبَ لَهُ إِلَّا عُشْرُ صَلَاتِهِ تُسُعُهَا ثُمُنُهَا سُبُعُهَا سُدُسُهَا خُمُسُهَا رُبُعُهَا ثُلُثُهَا نِصْفُهَا The Prophet mentions in this hadith that a person will be leaving the prayer. إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيَنْصَرِفُ A person will leave the prayer. وَمَا كُتِبَ لَهُ إِلَّا عُشْرُ صَلَاتِهِ One-tenth is written for him. تُسُعُهَا or one-ninth. Or subu'uha one-seventh, one-sixth, one-fifth, one-fourth, one-third, half. This hadith shows that the people's salah, because the qiblatul qalb is not there. Qiblatul qalb is not there. This person is not facing Allah with his heart. And that's what's missing. So he loses out. To the extent that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, مِنْ حَدِيثِ بَعْضِ زَوْجَاتِ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ حَدِيثَ حَمُسْلَمْ that the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ أَتَى عَرَّافًا Anyone who comes to Arraf, فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ and asked Arraf, the fortune teller, he asks him about something, مَاتَ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ لَهُ صَلَاةُ أَرْبَعِينَ لَيْلَةً Your prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. So this person is praying, but his salah is not accepted. Okay? So it is necessary, brothers and sisters, that you don't just see the, يعني face the Qibla, just see it as your body, but also uh, your heart. Um, also, what you have to internalize and understand, brothers and sisters, is when you stand in front of Allah, Taala, you're calling on to Allah, Taala. As the Prophet said, إِذَا قَامَ أَحَدُكُمْ يُصَلِّي If one of you is standing up and he's praying, فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِيَ رَبَّهُ He's calling on to Allah, Subhanahu Wa Taala. So what does this show? It shows two things, brothers and sisters. يُنَاجِيَ رَبَّهُ shows us two benefits. Two secrets. The first one is the prayer for the person is like the position al-musararati. 
What does that mean? It's like a, yani, you are in a, a private discussion between you and Allah Tabarak wa Taala. Also, the second thing is, it shows Allah Tabarak wa Taala's love for His slave, because the munajat is only done in matters which are private. Okay, or someone who means something to you, you do that for. Naam. May Allah make us from those people. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. وَإِذَا وَقَفْتَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَاعْتَقِدْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ قِبَلَ وَجْهِكَ لَيْسَ فِي الْأَرْضِ الَّتِي أَنْتَ فِيهَا وَلَكِنَّهُ قِبَلَ وَجْهِكَ وَهُوَ عَلَى عَرْشِهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَسِيرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ فِي جَمِيعِ صِفَاتِهِ فَهُوَ فَوْقَ عَرْشِهِ وَهُوَ قِبَلَ وَجْهِ الْمُصَلِّي إِذَا صَلَّى وَحِينَئِذٍ تَدْخُلُ وَقَلْبُكَ مَمْلُوءٌ بِتَعْظِيمِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَمَحَبَّتِهِ وَالتَّقَرُّبِ إِلَيْهِ The author here, he points out that the person believing that if he stands up that he's having a munajat with his Lord, he's having a discussion and a dialogue with his Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you stand up and you feel that, and you really internalize that, and you, your heart is facing the Qibla, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and your body is also facing the Qibla, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, as the narration mentions, um, you're facing Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, and Allah qibla wa Allah is right in front of you now, okay? And the Shaykh rahimahullah pointed this out, he said, this doesn't mean that Allah tabarak wa ta'ala he, Allah Azza wa Jalla, is right in front of you because Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala is above his throne. Allah is separated from his creation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we, we, these two things we should not conflate with one another. All these narrations that mention that, we believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? He's above his throne, subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he's with his creation, with knowledge, subhanahu wa ta'ala. فتكبر وتقول الله أكبر ومع هذا التكبير ترفع يديك حذو منكبيك أو إلى فروع أذنيك. When you open the prayer, you open with two things. Something which is a ركن لا بد منه. You have to do it. You have no choice. And that is the saying of الله أكبر. You have to say الله أكبر. That is a ركن لا بد منه. And the second thing that you need to do, which isn't a rukun, which is not even a wajib, it's just a sunnah, which is raf'ul yadayn, raising your hands. Okay? And there are two ways in which it's been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ. He used to raise his hands. The first one is, he used to raise his hands up to his shoulders. So again, you don't have to touch your shoulders, because the word hadwi just means leveled to your shoulders. And the second one is, you go as far as to your ears. So those are the two ways in which you raise uh, your hand. It has not been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ, as so many people do, which is to take your fingers and touch it with your earlobe. So it is not permissible for anybody to do such a thing uh, by touching his earlobes. Because remember the salah, we were told to take it from who? Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Hadith Malik ibn Huayris, Sahih al-Bukhari. Pray the way you see me pray. So you can't add and deduct what you like, okay? Uh, now let me show, explain these two how they work together. The takbir and the raf'ul yadain. How do they work together? There are three situations. So we already mentioned that the qawlu Allahu Akbar, we said it's a rukun, it's a pillar. If you don't say Allah, but the salah is null and void, you have to repeat that prayer. Okay? And the raf'ul yadain, we said, is a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Now what I want to do, inshallah ta'ala, is explain how the Allahu Akbar and the raising of the hands work. There are three situations of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, the first one is, the person says, Allahu Akbar, and raises the hands with it straight away. So the person says, Allah. So they're saying it, and the hands are working at the same time, simultaneously. That's been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ. He would say Allahu Akbar whilst doing it. The second situation was he would raise his hands 
and then he would say Allahu Akbar after that. Okay, so he starts by saying, uh, by raising his hands and then saying Allahu Akbar. The third situation is the opposite of the second one, which is he says Allahu Akbar and then he raises his hands. All three of those situations are thabita. All of those have been transmitted from him. So to do it together, both of, both of them, Allahu Akbar. Or to say, Allahu Akbar. Thabit. Or to say, Allahu Akbar. All of those have been transmitted him from him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ثُمَّ تَضَعَ يَدَكَ الْيُمْنَى عَلَى يَدَكَ عَلَى يَدِكَ الْيُسْرَى عَلَى الذِّرَاعِ كَمَا صَحَّ ذَلِكَ فِي الْبُخَارِي مِنْ حَدِيثِ سَهْلِ بْنِ سَعْدٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ كَانَ النَّاسُ يُؤْمَرُونَ أَنْ يَضَعَ الرَّجُلَ يَدَهُ الْيُمْنَى عَلَى ذِرَاعِهِ الْيُسْرَى فِي الصَّلَاةِ رَوَاهُ الْبُخَارِي Now if the person says Allahu Akbar which is known as takbiratul ihram Now the person what does he do he works towards what? Putting his hand on his chest, or putting his hand on top of each other. Okay? Now we're going to discuss that which has been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ in these forms. Okay? There are three hayat, three forms when it comes to the hands on top of the hands. The first one is that the person, he places his right hand upon his uh, left forearm. So the person does this. That's one. Okay? The right hand on, on the forearm, the dhira. Okay? Uh, the second form is the person places his right hand on top of his left hand, which is like this. Grabbing it like this. Okay, that's two. The third form is uh, without grabbing it, just top, placing on top of each other, like this. Or even this. All of those three forms have been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ. Now, Mahalun Niza' of the scholars is. We've now learned how the hands are. We've learned how we deal with the hands. This is not an ishkal. The ishkal, brothers and sisters, is where does the hands go? Where does it go? Is it on the chest? Is it the navel? Where should you place it? What I want to say is, فَلَمْ يَثْبُتْ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ حَدِيثٌ فِي مَحَلِّ الْوَضْعِ No hadith in this Placing on the chest, placing it on the surah, there's no hadith in this issue. So what we say, فَالْعَبْدُ مُخَيَّرٌ بِمَا يَشَعْ <coughs> The person has a choice of where he wants to put it. If he places it on his chest, good. If he places it on his navel, it's good, it's no problem. If he places it on uh, يعني, his stomach, it's good, no problem. Okay? Whatever is easy for you to do it. Lacking what we can say is the reason why we say that it hasn't come is all of the narrations that have come, none of them are authentic. None of them. There's a risala written called Fathul Wadud, I think. It's called Fathul Wadud, I think. It's more risala. All of the narrations in there, let me sahf bin And I've taken time out to look at each of the hadiths and all of the asaneed and riwayat and turuq. Lam yathbut min So the person is mukhayyar, where you want to put your hand. Okay? Lakin, the hadiths, all of even that they're all weak. Which one is the least weak hadith? Which one is the what? The least weakest. The one that's the least weakest is a hadith of Sadr. Placing it on your chest is the least weakest, okay? In that issue.
As for some people who, I've, who go extreme, and I've seen a very few people, so it shouldn't be something that a lot of you guys have encountered, but I've seen people go as far as putting their hands right under their dhakan, right there. That I haven't seen anywhere where, where evidence is for that comes from. Support such an action. ثم تخفض رأسك فلا ترفعه إلى السماء لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى عن رفع البصر إلى السماء في الصلاة رواه البخاري واشتد قوله في ذلك حتى قال لينتهين أقواب يرفعون أبصارهم إلى السماء في الصلاة أو لا ترجع, ترجع إليهم رواه البخاري ومسلم ولهذا ذهب من ذهب من أهل العلم إلى تحريم, إلى تحريم رفع المصلي بصره إلى السماء وهو قول وجيه جدا لأنه لا وعيد على شيء إلا وهو محرم Now inshallah ta'ala brothers we're going to mention the scholars when it comes to the concept known as the looking in the prayer the issue related to looking in the prayer, it has three ahkam. It has what? Three rulings. The first one, the first ruling, is the looking which is recommended. And there's two places where it's recommended. The first one is that the person looks at his sababa, his finger, in the tashahud, like this. That is another which is mustahab. Okay, and that is based... Uh, that the Prophet ﷺ, the narration that the Prophet ﷺ, that he would look at his eyes towards the finger. So that's recommended. The second one is looking at mawdu'a sujood. Looking at the place where you're going to do the sujood. Okay? Uh, so when you're standing, you look at the sujood. When you're in the state of ruku' you look at the mawdu'a sujood. وَهَكَذَا That's the also recommended to do that. Some of the fuqaha mention when the person is sitting between the two sajdataini, he should look at his hijr, his thighs. That's, there's no evidence for that. The finger, there's evidence. And of course, the mother sujood, no problem. Okay? And that looking at the finger only comes in the tashahud, right? So the rest you should be looking at mawdu' or sujood. There's a second type of issue, um, a hukum related to the looking, which is that which is haram. Which is looking at the sky, raising your eyesight to the sky. The Sheikh bought the hadith, لَيَنْتَهِيَنَّ أَقْوَامٌ A group of people will leave off. يَرْفَعُونَ أَبَصَارَهُمْ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ أَوْ لَا تَرْجِعُ إِلَيْهِمْ يعني A group of people will stop. Another narration mentioned, it will be snatched from a group, group of people. It will be snatched from a group of people. Abasaruhum, the ISIS will be snatched uh, from them. Okay? Uh, so this is, this is haram. Uh, of course, we all know when severe ruling like that comes from the Prophet, it means it's haram. The second one is another which is mubah. It's mubah. Is when the person doesn't look high and he doesn't look, uh, also he doesn't look at mother or sujood. He doesn't look at it. So, for example, this person keeps the person just keeps looking straight. Um, he just looks straight, and he doesn't look at his mother or sujood, and he also doesn't look up. Yeah, this is just, yani, it's mubah. Okay, now. فتخفض بصرك وتطأطئ رأسك لكن كما قال لكن كما قال العلماء لا يضع ذقنه على صدره أي لا يخفضه كثيرا حتى يقع الذقن وهو مجمع اللحيين على الصدر بل يخفضه مع فاصل يسير عن صدره. So الشيخ رحمه الله clarifies the condition of uh, putting your eye, the eye, eyesight down, which we already spoke about now. 
ويستفتح ويقول اللهم باعد بيني وبين خطاياي كما باعدت بين المشرق والمغرب اللهم نقني من الخطايا كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس اللهم اغسلني من خطاياي بالماء والثلج والبرد رواه أبو داود وهذا هو الاستفتاح الذي سأل أبو هريرة سأل أبو هريرة النبي أبو هريرة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حين قال يا رسول الله أرأيت سكوتك بين التكبير والقراءة ما تقول فذكر له الحديث وله أن يستفتح بغير ذلك وهو سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك وتبارك اسمك وتعالى جدك ولا إله غيرك رواه أبو داود ويستفتح صلاة الليل بما كان الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم يستفتح به وهو اللهم رب جبرائيل ورب ميكائيل وإسرافيل فاطر السماوات والأرض عالم الغيب والشهادة أن تتحكم بين عبادك فيما كانوا فيه يختلفون اهدني لمختلف فيه من الحق بإذنك إنك تهدي من تشاء إلى صراط مستقيم رواه مسلم ولكن لا يجمع بين هذه الاستفتاحات بل يقول هذه مرة وهذه مرة ليأتي بالسنة على جميع وجوهها The author رحمه الله Here he mentioned uh, a sunnah from the sunnah of the prayer a sunnah from the sunnah of the prayer which is known as dua al-istiftah the dua of the opening okay and that which has been transmitted from the prophet is anwa' min al-istiftahat the prophet had a few different istiftah that he used to open his prayer with if the person comes with one adza'hu dhalik that's sufficient if you just come with one it's enough alhamdulillah and Al-Imam Abu Abdullah Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, he used to like to read Subhanakallahumma, Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, wa tabarak asmuka wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. He used to like that one specifically, rahimahullah. He used to put this one first and used to give precedence to this one over the rest. And whenever he would be asked why, he said, lima fihi min al-iqrari Because in this one, the person is testifying to servitude to Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Okay, Ibn al-Qayy mentions that in his Zad al-Ma'ad. Um, also, um, it's not legislated for the person to really gather and combine between all of those different type of istiftahat uh, in one prayer. You can't do all of them at once. Allahumma ba'id bayni, you finish that one, and then you come to this one, Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik wa tabarak asmuka ta'ala jadduka, and you come with all of them. No, you shouldn't. You pray, you come with one for each prayer if you want to. Then another one for another prayer. And then another one for another prayer. So now what we can say is, Adadu min sahaba a number and a few companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, when it came to the istiftah, they used to, what they used to do is, if, they used to either sometimes read this one, sometimes read that one, sometimes read that one. It's, it's what the scholars call, as sunanil muta'addida, different types of sunnah sunan uh, coming I'm a ibadat basically honey doing different ibadat which is good for your khushu' changing it one stay in this one one stay in this one lakin as-sunan al-muta'addida fi mawdi'in wahidin la yajuz can't bring all of it in one place just like you can't bring qira'at in different in the same time in the in the salah Okay, you can't. In one surah, you can't be reading with this ayah, with this qira'ah, and the other ayah, with this qira'ah, and another ayah, with this qira'ah. You can't. And say, all of this is from the uh, Prophet ﷺ. We say, yes, it is from him. But not in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in one surah, he never read it like that, So what you can do is either you memorize one, and you stick to that for every single prayer if you want to. Or, you memorize multiple of them, and each time, each prayer, you choose one to read. But to read all of them in one place, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he expands on this in his Majmu' al-Fatawa. Uh, he strengthens that that is not allowed. Also, uh, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali in his Qawaid, he also speaks about it in great details as well. Now. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ بَعْدَ التَّعَوُّدِ 
After the person, they say the dua al-istiftah. The person says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Once the person has made the dua al-istiftah, two things are recommended for the person to do. The first one is an yata'awwadha, to seek refuge in Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he sought refuge in Allah from um, how did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam do ta'awwadh? What is it that's been transmitted from him? If we look at the sana'a al-hadithiyya there's no strong evidence to show the way that the Prophet did the isti'adha. And we're talking about sana'atul hadithiyya. From a hadith perspective, there is no evidence to show the way that the Prophet والسلام, read the isti'adha, the ta'awudh. There's no authentic evidence for it. I expanded on this more when I was teaching the Nuqayah by Suyuti rahimahullah. Expanded on there. So that's in terms of the angle of hadith. Okay? Every hadith has been transmitted from the Prophet والسلام, that he did isti'adha in the salah like a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim min hamzihi wa nafkhihi wa nafthi None of them are authentically transmitted from him. Okay? Last thing. So what is it that's, that's, that's transmitted from uh, the concept of isti'adha is transmitted to us naqla ulama'i al-qira'at turuq al-hadith ya la lakin naqla ulama'i al-qira'at the ulama'i al-qira'at have transmitted it from him then ulama'i al-qira'at like Ibn al-Jazari mentions in his nashr they mentioned the, the ways to read it and all of them jam'a qawlan wahidan between the qurra and the fuqaha, all of them came together on a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. All of them came to that. And they took it from the ayah, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Okay? That is what they said. ولذلك الشاطبي says in his qasida, إِذَا مَا أَرَدْتَ الدَّهْرَ تَقْرَأْ فَاسْتَعِذْ Jihara min ash-shaytari billahi muzjala. Sah? Shatibi says that in his qasida. Ala ma'ata fil nahli yusrun yusran wa intazid lirabbika tanzihan falasta mujahala. So that's what, as for, if a person wants to add on to it, then of course, inshallah ta'ala, you can look at what the uh, what the ulama uh, al-qurra mentions in this matter. So what do we say now? In simple terms, we say the isti'adha is transmitted from the Prophet sallallahu But not بطرق الحديثية لا It is transmitted to us بطريق نقل القراءات Because the qiraat is what? متلقاتنا عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Okay because we already, we, we've established the qira'at is a what? فَالْقِرَاءَةُ سُنَّةٌ ثَابِتَةٌ Okay, it is سُنَّةٌ ثَابِتَةٌ So the person, at the beginning of the prayer, he should seek refuge in Allah wa ta'ala. Why is that? So Allah wa ta'ala can repel from him the enemy. The enemy that the person can come into contact with in the prayer is adul batin the internal enemy which is shaitan and the external enemies which is also shayateenul uh, ins the human beings the outward the outward uh, sorry the inward shaitan how do you see refuge in Allah from it? by saying a'udhu billahi bin shaitanir rajim what about the outward enemy from the shayateenul ins how do you repel him? Allah also told us how to repel him Allah said, إِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي أَحْسَنُ فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةٌ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ صح? 
ولذلك ابن الجزري منشن زي رحمه الله شيطانك المغوي عدو فاعتصم بالله منه والتجي وتعوذي وعدوك الإنساني داري وداري داري وداده تملكه وادفع بالتي فإذا الذي The second sunnah that the person needs to follow here is the basmala by saying Bismillahirrahmani Bismillahirrahmanirrahim So we spoke about isti'adha and the second one is the basmala which is to say Bismillahirrahmani الرحيم نعم ويقرأ الفاتحة ويقرأ ويقرأ الفاتحة والفاتحة سبع آيات أولها الحمد لله رب العالمين وآخرها غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ودليل ذلك حديث أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال قال الله تبارك وتعالى قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين فنصفها لي ونصفها لعبدي ولعبدي ما سأل يقول العبد الحمد لله رب العالمين يقول الله تعالى حمدني عبدي ويقول العبد الرحمن الرحيم قال الله أثنى علي عبدي ويقول العبد مالك يوم الدين يقول الله تعالى مجدني عبدي فإذا قال إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين قال الله هذا بيني وبين عبدي ولعبدي ما سأل فإذا قال إهدنا الصراط المستقيم قال هذا لعبدي ولعبدي ما سأل رواه مسلم فتبين بهذا الحديث أن أول الفاتحة الحمد لله رب العالمين الشيخ رحمه الله he spoke about how the person starts the prayer. We said, the person when they start the prayer, what do they have to say? They have to say, Allahu Akbar. We said, that's a rukun. And then we said that the, the raising of the hand, we said, that's a sunnah. And then what we said was, the person starts the salah with the dua al-istiftah. We said, the dua al-istiftah is a few, few different duas. You memorize one, you can stick with that for the rest of your life, no problem. If you memorize more than that, فَهُوَ أَكْمَلُ That's more better. And every time you use one of them. Then we spoke about reciting two sunnahs. They're not, you don't have to. Okay? And here we're not in mawdu, in We're not here right now discussing how, why, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ Allah commanded it. Why you say it's a sunnah? We're not going to go into that right now. Okay? And then we mentioned the second sunnah the person says is the best manner. Because the shaykh hasn't gone into the best manner, do you say it loud or not? We're not going to go into it. Okay? The kitab is small, so we treat it like it's a small kitab. Now we're going to go into the uh, person has finished the dua al-istiftah, said the best manner, so this ta'awudh, said the best manner. Now he wants to start reciting Surah Al-Fatiha. Reciting Surah Al-Fatiha is a pillar. Okay, and the Sheikh mentions he says, Well, Fatiha, Fatiha is how many verses? Seven verses, and this is Bila Khilafin Bayna Ahlil Ilm. There is no dispute amongst the people of knowledge, and the evidence that they use is, Allah already told the Prophet, we gave you seven verses that repeat itself. So, Surah Al Fatiha is seven verses without a dispute. So that's mahallu or muhallu al-wifaq. All the ulama holding hands on this one. Then they came mahallu al-khilaf, a dispute came. The dispute now became, and they discussed with one another, al-add al-Qur'ani. How do you count it now? How are you going to count it, these seven that you have? So here's where the discussion came. According to al-add al-Kufi, which is now the mushaf that we have today, the mushaf, Al-Medina that we have today, it counts it with the Basmala as the first verse. That's called Ad Al-Kufi, right? If you look at it right now, the Basmala okay, is the first verse. And that's been transmitted from the Prophet والسلام, according to Hadith Sahih Muslim. Okay. 
אוקיי? What about al-abdu al-hijaziyu? Which is another counting. By the way, when the scholars differ with one another on the uh, counting of the verses, it doesn't mean there's a verse that dropped out and they disputed one another. No. It's just that, is this one verse or is it two verses? There's a discussion. So now we have the last verse, Sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim. That's a verse. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. That's the seventh verse. This is according to Abdul Hijazi. They count this as so. سرّات الذين أنعمت عليهم. One is the sixth verse. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين is the seventh. So all both parties agree the seven verses and. But where is it? Is the discussion okay? So that's a point that we wanted to, to inshallah ta'ala mention. Also, brothers and sisters, Fatiha is a pillar. If you miss Fatiha, your prayer is null and void. You have to bring it back again because of the Hadith Ubadat Ibn Al-Samid fi Sahihain Bukhari Muslim. La salata liman lam yaqra bi Fatiha al Kitab. La salata. There's no prayer for the one who doesn't recite Surah Al Fatiha. Okay, I've made a series on the explanation of Surah Al-Fatiha and the gems and the jewels in Surah Al-Fatiha. I encourage you all, inshallah ta'ala, to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and also learn its tafsir very, very well, inshallah ta'ala. And if Allah gives us chance, we might do it again and go uh, over it. Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has a risala on the uh, the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha. He explains it very well over there. Also, Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Qayyim uh, uh, also talks about the benefits and the gems and the jewels in Surah Al-Fatiha. I know his teacher, Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah uh, as well. Uh, we're going to stop here, inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to take your questions, inshallah ta'ala. Um, So if anybody has any questions, inshallah ta'ala, you can ask. If one joins in the prayer and the Imam goes into Ruku' and the person hasn't finished Fatiha, should they follow the Imam without finishing Fatiha? Yes, follow the Imam even if you haven't finished your Fatiha and then after inshallah ta'ala bring that rak'ah back. Can your spouse male be around your grandmother without you being there? Yeah, your grandmother from your, your dad's side and your mother's side, he can. May Allah reward you with good. Can I follow your legal verdicts if I follow Hanbali Madhab? Asal is not uh, if you're not the people are three types so there's a person who doesn't study kutubul madhabs they're just a lame muslim who just wants to know if it's not allowed or if it's allowed what can i can't do that person his sheikh is the one who he asks and he trusts he just goes to that uh, sheikh and he asks him okay 
The second was a person who's a student of knowledge, he's studying Kutub al-Madahibs, and he's learning and he's learned principles within the Madhab, and then inshallah just stick to that, no problem. Don't take a contemporary post person over, over the great Imams of the past. And then there's that person who knows and studied and he can distinguish between where's right, where's wrong, and he, he takes what he, where he sees the evidence lies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should the hands fall down first or the knees while doing sujood? Inshallah ta'ala, we're going to come to that. Bidnillah al kareem Where, sh where we should place hands, chest or anywhere? The chest is the least weakest narration, so I, I just put on my chest. But if you want to place it somewhere else, you're entitled to, inshallah ta'ala. Ustad, what is the good qualities in a wife so that we can try and be like that, inshallah? The good, the best, one of the, the best qualities a woman can have is that she fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when she's angry, and she fears Allah when she's happy, she fears Allah when she's private, she fears Allah when she's public. She's also very obedient to her husband. Um, as the Prophet وسلم, mentioned, that the woman who, when her husband sees her, she pleases him. And she's obedient, she listens, she's not hard-headed, she's not stubborn, she's not argumentative. And she tries to show him the best of her version she can. Ustad, may Allah preserve you, Amin. Is this the same book as the one written by Sheikh Al-Albani? Now, Sheikh Al-Albani's one, we did it last year. So this year we changed it to Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salah al-Uthaymin's one. Sheikh Al-Albani and Ibn Uthaymin are different. Sheikh, if we miss Fatiha, should we repeat the Salah in all circumstances? I.e. join the Imam in the congregation? Yes, if you miss Fatiha, you should always bring back the prayer, inshallah. Yeah, and in that raka'ah, you have to bring it back. Not the whole entire prayer, but the raka'ah you missed. Ahsan Allah ilayk. Are all du'as and adhkar in Husn al-Muslim all authentic? The issue of authenticity is subjective. So it's subjective. A lot of the times, what is sahih, what is not, is also, it's a lot of the times it's subjective. A lot of the times. Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, who took the kitab Kalim al-Tayyib by Shaykh al-Sam Taymiyyah, Shaykh al-Albani took it and he called, he authenticated, he took out the weak narrations out of there, he left the, the ones that were authentic and he called it Sahih al-Kalim al-Tayyib, Shaykh al-Albani. The ones he left in there became a discussion. Are they even authentic? Some of them. Some of them are not. Some people brought, some hadith were outside into the discussion. So the issue of al-Siha wa daaf is a mas'ala, it can change from one person to another. But yes, there are some hadith which are weak in there, or some adhkar which are weak in there. Okay. By the way, we're going to do the adhkar al-sabahi wal-masa specifically, and we're going to mention that which, inshallah ta'ala, we feel. But the Shaykh Sa'id ibn Wahf al-Qahtani, who authored the kitab, Husn al-Muslim, may Allah reward it abundantly. He has done an amazing job, Allah, a magnificent job. May Allah reward him and grant him Jannah al-Firdaus. He passed away recently. A few years back, may Allah grant him Jannah al Firdaus. Uh, 
Ustad, what should a person do if they don't want to stay in a big family gathering because of the backbiting uh, or the fact that there will be too much laughter? Advise the people, advise your family, tell them what is right from what is wrong, explain things to them. And as for the times that they come together to enjoy themselves and laugh, with moderation, enjoy that moment with them, laugh with them. Of course, everything is good with moderation, so, so don't overdo it. Just don't overdo it, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. Can a revert make tayammum if she fears her parents will hear her make wudu? So what she can do is she can stay in the state of wudu for all prayers, right? If this is a revert, after fajr, she can stay the whole entire day without breaking her wudu. Right? And she can stay the whole day with just one wudu. She doesn't have to do wudu for every prayer. May Allah reward you up to you with love. Allahumma ameen. May Allah reward you up to you as well. My nephew or my niece, someone messaged. Ustad, can I become a strong student of knowledge while competing in wrestling, which means training six days a week? So it comes back to the concept of dividing your time very well. However busy you may be, to divide your time correctly, yani, you can get somewhere without a doubt. So maybe that one day that you're off, seek knowledge on that one day and be consistent upon it. Finally, you'll get somewhere, inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum, Abti. How often should we speak to our elder family members if they don't understand we where we are coming from. So, your family members are divided. The, the, the family is divided into two. There is a family, there is a relative. So, family, you have to, يعني, it falls under the ayah. You try to keep ties of kinship just to see how everybody's doing, talking to everybody every every now and then. Ideally, having us like a social media, WhatsApp or something like that can help a lot of the times just to get to know how family members are doing. So it's good to talk to your... Uh, the second one is relatives. Relatives, you don't have to necessarily always see how they're doing every now and then. Special occasions like Eid and things like that. How is everybody doing? They don't necessarily fall under the ayah فَهَلْ عَسَيْتُ مِنْ تَوَلَّيْتُ وَنْ تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَتُقَطِّعُ عَرْحَامَكُمْ Abdi, try to call me a lot, inshallah. You don't actually call me a lot, so Abdi, call me a lot, inshallah. Ta'ala. Ustad, what do you say to Muslim du'ats who overemphasize good manners rather than tawheed? 
The greatest type of mannerism that a person can come with is to show good manners towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by singing him in worship. It's the greatest form of, of mannerism, which is Tawheed, singing Allah ta'ala in worship. Uh, being obedient to Allah ta'ala and adhering to what he tells you to do, staying away from what he told you, stay away from that's the greatest, greatest level of mannerism. So if somebody tries to distinguish Tawheed from mannerism, they haven't understood that yani, uh, mannerism is very comprehensive. It's not restricted to just the dealings of humans towards one another. No. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Ustad, I hope you're in, the, you're in good health. Is the husband responsible for the minor or major sins committed by his wife? Uh, music after you advise her? No. Once you've advised the person and you've told them to stay away from it, you know, everybody's going to be a held account for what they do. Everybody will be held account for what they do. Also Allah Taala He says One person will not be يعني, punished for another person's actions But if you play a role in a person's يعني, misguidance or their wrong You play a role in it then Allah Taala told us in the Quran, "Yahmiluna awzarahum kamilatan yawm al-qiyamati, wa min awzari al-ladina yudillunahum bighayri ilmin ala sa'ma yazirun." I read in a kitab written by Sheikh Bakr Abu Zaid Rahimahullah that not wearing a turban on the head is bad manners for student of knowledge but in my culture it is not seen as a good thing what can I do so yeah it, uh, this changes from one place, one place to another it's issues of urf so this side of the world if your hair is showing it's a bit they see it in a certain way. Maybe not the UAE necessarily like that, uh, but like in Saudi Arabia they do. Saudi Arabia, putting something in your head is, is respect, akhlaq. And taking it off, they have a certain look at you. So when you go to those places, put something on your head. But when you go to Western countries, no, that's not the case. Okay? Or even, uh, yani, even other Muslim countries. Yeah. Okay. Instead, I have been advised to quit wrestling, to focus on seeking ilm only. But wrestling keeps me fit and I love competing. What is your advice? Generally speaking, wrestling and archery and things like that are very good sports. So it keeps a person in good shape. Uh, running, even yani playing sports, it's a good thing for a person's health. A person should do that and keep themselves strong, in good shape, male or female. As long as external issues don't get caught up with these sports, uh, the external things get caught up with that particular thing, 
then those things make it haram, not the sports itself. Sports might be fine, there might be nothing wrong with it. But, uh, so if for example your wrestling involves punching someone in the face, then now it doesn't mean wrestling is haram, but it just means you're doing something that's now made this certain thing that you're doing haram, so because of that it becomes haram. وَهَكَذَا So, if it's becoming a means for you not to pray salah and it's preventing you from praying salah, then of course it becomes haram. وَهَكَذَا If you're wrestling and your aura is showing and you're wearing tight clothes and your aura is showing, again, it becomes haram. So, if people are saying to you stay away from it on those grounds, then yes, stay away because now it's, you're doing things which are haram. But if you're wearing good clothes, you're praying your salah, you're, it's not getting in the way in your deen and anything like that, you should do it. It's just good sports. Enjoy it, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and Allah knows best, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Should spouses seek separation if they are constant on sins? Now my advice would be try to overcome doing sins and stay together inshallah ta'ala. Try to get to a stage where you don't sin inshallah ta'ala uh, as frequent and you, know, you stay away from sins to the best of your ability and help each other in that, in that cause inshallah ta'ala. What do you do if you are trying to wake someone uh, for Fajr and they are not waking up? How hard do you need to try to wake them up? Just wake them up. Some people are ma'dur shara'an, haqiqatan. I've seen certain situation once where a brother, once he sleeps, that's it, khalas. He will never hear you. Allah intends for him to wake up, that's it. You, Yani, you can stand him up, he was, he's still sleeping. Until he, Allah intends for him to wake up, that's it. A person like that, he's ma'adur. The pen is lifted, you tried your best, that's it, khalas. Don't pour buckets of water onto him or beat him up or drag him by the collar or anything like that. Don't do anything like that. You did your part. He hasn't woken up. The pen is lifted from him. Inshallah, when he wakes up, let him pray, inshallah. And then in the future you can work with, uh, with him. There was a narration mentioned that a man came to the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm from a family. A man said to the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm from a family who are like this when it comes to sleeping. We sleep heavily. My dad was like that, my forefathers were like that. When we sleep, Ya Rasulullah, Fajr and some prayers miss me like that. The Prophet said, when, when you wake up, pray, inshallah. Like whenever you wake up, pray. It doesn't mean you pray, you sleep five minutes before Fajr and you say, I couldn't wake up. Now you're, you're, in a, you're in a situation where you're making yourself miss the prayer. But what I'm talking about is someone who sleeps well, make sure they put all the alarms in place. With that being said, they will never wake up. And even some of them, I remember that same certain brother, he would actually stand up, go to the bathroom, pray, pray Salah, sleeping. Oh, everything is sleeping. It was a gharib situation. And in the morning, he wake up and he was praying Fajr again. You're like, why are you praying? Fajr, I missed it. No, you didn't. You prayed with us. He doesn't remember anything from what happened. So some people like that, their situation is very, very deep sleepers, extremely deep sleepers. Those type of people, khalas, you know, you've done your side. And some people are very light sleepers. They can hear footsteps and little scratches like that. Wait they wake wakes them up, and there's those type of people.
Okay, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to stop there. Subhanakallah wa bihamdi, ashadu la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka wa tuhu ulayhi.